Welcome to episode number 95 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of Reddit director J.J. Abrams, as well as his greater Bad Robot Universe. I'm your host for this week. My name is Marcelo Nestroza, joined as always by my fellow co-host Matt Crandall. And on today's edition of the show, we'll be discussing Fringe Season 2, episodes 11 through 12. The first episode up in today's batch is the episode entitled Jahari Window. Matt, do you hear a hum in the air? I do, and I might start singing mid-podcast if that hum starts to really get to me. But this episode does involve a frequency, a, a weird pitch that as we find out from this opening where a state troopers pick up this kid who has run away. And as they're driving him to the station, he turns from just an everyday looking kid into a John Merrick like elephant man type kid with a severe deformity. At the station, all of a sudden, some other deformed guys show up, rescue the kid, and the kid says sorry to one of the officers as he is gunned down. We're starting to wonder what is going on here. This is all about a small town called Edina that has a secret. And as we unravel the secret, we are going to realize that some sort of fringe event has caused this town that seems to us normal. Everybody seems normal. But if they are to step outside of this town, this isolated bubble, everyone within the town is actually the victims of a scientific experiment called Project Elephant. And when they step out of the bubble, they are revealed for their true selves, which are these hideously deformed creatures. So I love that this episode is a mystery of the week, small town, weird shit. Marcelo, what was your impression as we're meeting like the sheriff who we know right away has a secret and can't be trusted. The first time I saw the sheriff in this episode, I immediately thought of the series, the West wing because the actor who plays the sheriff in the, in this episode is the leader of the secret service in the West wing. He does a great job as the sheriff of this little town that has a secret this season. We've sort of moved away from the massive dynamic sort of looming over the show. And for the past couple of weeks, we've gotten fringe cases that have nothing to do with massive dynamic. I've really appreciated that aspect of the show so far in season two. It has definitely been interesting. I've started to miss that massive dynamic dynamic because it used to be in season one, everything could be traced back to massive dynamic and now a lot of these lines can't be drawn back to Massive Dynamic, but a lot of the stuff can be drawn back to Walter Bishop in some sort of capacity. So Walter isn't the main guy behind Project Elephant, but he did work on it, and he did help. So we keep finding these things where we think that Walter might not be involved, but then it always turns out Walter did do some consulting or did do something, but Massive Dynamic has been massively hands-off other than the William Bell sprinkles that have been throughout the first 12 episodes of Season 2. So I did think it was interesting that as this episode goes, you know, Walter catches a butterfly when he brings it back to the lab and Astrid looks at it, it's a moth. And that is where he starts to realize that 
he did work on this project where an electromagnetic pulse was used to make soldiers invisible. So they were still there, but people just couldn't see them because it changed your perception. But the issue with that experiment was that prolonged exposure would make the, the subject deformed. So he realizes that this whole town was exposed to this electromagnetic pulse. And then they deduce that the guy that Walter worked with, who was responsible for this project, when he realized that the whole town had been affected, he found a way to actually tweak the pulse so that it would give them that normal appearance while they were within the radius and everything would be cool. And so I liked that, you know, they aren't really hurting anyone unless somebody stumbles upon their secret. So that is why Team Fringe get involved and things have to come out in the open. But for the most part, this was a small town with a secret that wasn't trying to hurt anyone or doing anything weird. It was just that the outside world wouldn't accept them when they saw them for what they really were. And they had to react with violence to keep their, their town safe. This is kind of a town that has good intentions and doing stuff sort of for the right reasons. And certainly the scientist's daughter and her trying to protect her son plays a big role in this overall mystery. Their underlying intentions of wanting to keep people away from this town because they have that big secret that they're elephant people is one thing. But the way that the sheriff of this town handles keeping people out of this town by killing them is a drastic overreaction in my view. When the daughter of the scientist really took it upon herself to sort of step up and do the right thing, even if that right thing would eventually lead to the town being discovered. I really, really liked that little cork that the writers added into this episode because she she didn't have to step in, but if she wouldn't have stepped in, you know, Olivia and Peter possibly would have gotten shot. Yeah, I like that she does the right thing and definitely the fact that she does the right thing and it keeps our heroes from being in more danger is really great. The other interesting thing about this episode is that it opens with... Walter being traumatized from the events of last week with the shapeshifters and him not wanting to go into a supermarket because he's worried that they're going to be in there waiting for him. And as he's locked in the car, he mentions to Peter that, you know, he, he can't do it. He doesn't want to go in there. He's a coward at this point. And he says, the lion had a point. And Peter's like the lion. And he goes, yeah, the cowardly lion. And Peter goes, yeah, but that was a movie. And there are no flying monkeys inside the grocery store. So just go in there and get what you need. Get over it. And later in the episode, Walter again mentions flying monkeys and talking lions and Wizard of Oz. And either he just watched Wizard of Oz or this is some sort of thematic thing that the writers were trying to inject. What are you thinking? I really think that this Walter has a deeper meaning. And I think that. When Walter says this, he is sort of referencing himself in that he is the wizard behind the curtain of most of the events that we have seen in Fringe. And that with him being the wizard behind the curtain, he has one big secret that we haven't revealed yet. And I also think that's why at the tail end of this episode, he advocates to Asian Broyles for this town secret to be kept off of the records. 
And the reason why I think he does that is because, number one, he feels guilty because he has a giant secret that will possibly change the dynamics of our French team as we know it. And this big secret is the entire reason that everything in the fringe universe is happening. And the other reason is that I, I, I think that he just felt pity on these people because, you know, although these people have a quiet, you know, sort of solitude kind of life in this town of Edina, being in one place for your entire life and not being able to see other parts of the world has to have a psychological impact on your brain. Him referencing the Wizard of Oz parable, as he does in this episode, is multi-layered because he does feel bad for the people of Edina. On the other hand, he kind of feels guilty because he still has this massive weight that hasn't come off of his shoulders yet. Right. Yeah. As you said, you know, it's not so much massive dynamic this season. The man behind the curtain a lot of the time has been Walter Bishop in some sort of capacity. And seeing at the end him plead with Broyles not to reveal what went on and Broyles saying, if there is no machine, then there is no report. And so then Walter says, we never found a machine. So they aren't going to, you know, out this whole town. But members of the town do decide that they are going to leave and go experience the world and they're going to stop hiding. So I like that duality and the title of the episode, Jahari window, a team building self-help sort of exercise that is often used where you make a list of what you think are your attributes. And then other people make a list of what they think your attributes are. And then you sort of map them out to see which ones match. So it gives you like what you view yourself on the inside versus what the outside world sees, which of course is the main theme of this mystery being that, the what the town is they feel normal and what the outside world would see versus what the outside world does see by this weird electromagnetic pulse so definitely an interesting mystery of the week that felt like a a throwback to these conspiracy theories small town with the secret things and i definitely enjoyed this one quite a bit do you think the reason that we haven't seen massive dynamic for a large part of season two be involved with most of the cases that our beloved fringe team has worked on. Do you think that's because sort of in the second half of the season, massive, massive dynamic as a, as a giant figurehead in the series is it is going to come back in some sort of way. So I think massive dynamic, not being a big part of this is twofold. I think one is they are saving a lot of the massive dynamicness for the big clash of the universes, the big war, but also not having massive dynamic be involved in a lot of these episodes make them easier for people who are just trying to jump into fringe for the mystery of the week thing because you don't need to catch up on what does this big company and corporation have to do with a small town of freaks. So I think that they have been pushing it off to make the show more accessible for those who are just tuning in for episodes here and there, which is something that fringe would eventually realize was a fool's errand if this show wanted to be something beyond that. And, you know, we're almost at the point where they go from mystery of the week with a little sprinkle of serialization to like heavy serialization with a little sprinkle of mystery of the week. So we're almost at that point where the scales start to shift. With that being said, we move on to the final episode that we're going to talk about this week. The episode is entitled what lies below so, Matt, uh, you don't look too good. Are you okay? Feeling kind of sick. 
I definitely uh, have been hanging out with some Dutch oil consultants and I'm, I'm coming down with something. Hopefully not. But this episode, which I think plays different today than it did back then, is about a virus, a virus that wants to escape and wants to be spread. And it is kind of like uh, an outbreak, an outbreak scenario crossed with Die Hard because we are stuck in this building. This guy start to die and spray this blood and goo and this contagion. The building is quarantined when they realize this is a serious outbreak. Peter and Olivia are in the building when this happens. So for the majority of this episode, we are going to be in this building. It's going to be a guessing game of who is infected, who is not. And this airborne contagion that the CDC is trying to contain is doing everything in its power to get out, including having people who are infected go so far as jumping out the window, essentially killing themselves, just hoping that when they land and spray their blood, that someone else will pick up the virus and it will be able to spread. So definitely an interesting, you know, single location where the main action is going to be happening. A threat because our fringe team, half of them are in the building. And of course, through the 2022 lens, after having lived through, continuing to live through a pandemic, uh, it definitely plays a little bit different. The reason why I love this episode so much, I love episodes of TV and I love uh, movies that have our main characters stuck in a location. When I watched this episode, we found out that it was going to be about this virus in this building. And the whole episode, we're going to have Olivia, Peter sort of negotiate the different personalities that are in this building. I found that endlessly fascinating. This is the first episode that we've had in Fringe where one of our main characters' lives are in peril. At that point, when Peter gets infected, the first time I saw this episode, I was wondering, they might just have the balls to kill him because they killed Charlie. Once he gets infected, I love that scene when Walter finds out a specific way to figure out who is infected. And when Peter comes up in the line, he switches out the, the cotton swabs from an infected one to a clean one. I love the scene when he tries to exit the building with all the people that Walter has deemed not hazardous. And he just starts freaking out. And he says, I got to get out. I got to get out. I got to get out. I really like how the Fringe writers wrote the way that this virus behaves. Because you said... Once you're infected, the person that you are is kind of taken away from you. So I really liked the conceit of this episode. Yeah, I like that it overrides your personality and gives you a, a mission that you have to follow, which is get out. And it is interesting when they do put Peter into that situation because we start to worry more and it raises the stakes. I will say you said this was the first time one of our fringe team has been in peril and that's patently not true. Walter almost died last week. This is something Fringe does about every five episodes, so I'm not going to let that one slide that this is the first time one of our guys has actually been in peril. Not a, not a fucking chance. Sorry, Marcelo. Because we don't have a cure at while we're watching this episode, and once we know Peter is infected, it does raise the stakes because we don't have a cure for this yet. So we really are invested in, will they be able to stop Peter from going out and basically killing himself to spread this virus. So I did like that. And of course, 
One of my favorite movies of all time is John Carpenter's The Thing, which is about people working in this, you know, Antarctic situation and a team has unearthed something in the ice that ends up becoming The Thing. And if you are infected by The Thing, no one can tell. You look normal, except for the fact that you're actually this hideous monstrous alien creature and no longer a person and the way that they find out if you are the thing or not is one of the best most tense scenes in the history of cinema where they do a blood test and they take this little copper wire and they touch it to the blood and if you are the thing the blood goes fucking crazy but if you are not the thing then it's fine and everyone in the room goes through and and we drag it out as we're touching the wire to the blood. And very similar to that, Walter is testing the blood. And when he gets to Peter, we know that Peter has pulled some shenanigans and we know he's infected, but the test comes back clean. And Walter declares, he's clear. He is not the thing. And they let him out. So at that moment, we're worried that Peter is going to get out and that he's going to spread this and it's going to get worse. But as they are searching for this cure, Walter is stressed, super stressed, and he's trying to figure out a way that they can isolate this. And he says, I can't let Peter die again to Astrid. And Astrid clocks it. So he has mentioned shit like this before that she has let slide. But now that this has happened again, she clocks it. They end up realizing that the reason that this virus didn't take over the world you know, a hundred thousand years ago was because of something in volcanic ash and they end up reducing that it was sulfur and that they can get sulfur out of horseradish and they just make this antidote so that Peter can become cured with this gas that they have to give. But in order for that to happen, there's a big showdown between Peter and Olivia and we get a lot of great scenes. Marcella, what are you thinking as Walter lets out that he can't let Peter die again? And your thoughts also on that final confrontation where Peter and Olivia really get into it. I've been wanting for Walter to unburden himself for weeks. In that final scene when Walter sort of flippantly says to Astrid, or he says it to Astrid before the final scene, and then uh, during the final scene when they're out in the parking lot, Astrid brings it back up again. But I really, really thought that Walter was going to unburden himself in this episode. And I kind of believe that throughout the next couple episodes that we watch here in the weeks to come, I don't think Astrid is going to let this one slide. I think she's going to call Walter on it like she did in this episode. But I also think that Astrid is going to bring it up to a, another team member, whether it's Pete, whether it's Peter himself, which would be really, really interesting or whether it's Olivia. So if that happens, I want to see how they would react. Their minds are much more open to the weird and the unexplained since they've been living in this fringe world for X amount of time already. You mentioned the final fight between Peter and Olivia in the parking lot. And I really, really liked that fight. And uh, for half a minute, I thought that Olivia was going to die. The smart money says you don't kill off the lead of your show in season two. So even though I subconsciously knew that nothing was going to happen to her, I felt this overwhelming 
feel of dread and worry for what Olivia was going to have to was going through in that specific scene. I mean, you know, when Peter straddles poor Olivia and starts to choke her to death, I was like, dude, if you kill her, you're never going to forgive yourself. Just get off of her. But I understand that at that moment, Peter wasn't Peter. Peter was being controlled by this entity or this thing to use your word. But I thought this episode was great because of the emotional tension in the air. I really like the possible startup of the Peter and Olivia relationship because I also felt that in the air throughout this episode too. Yeah, it's definitely there. And I think the aftermath of the fight gives us the biggest hint that the Peter Olivia thing might be starting to go forward. And it's where Peter says to Olivia, you know, I'm sorry that I beat the shit out of you and did all this stuff. And she's like, well, you weren't yourself. And he said, but it's lucky for me that you were because he, he's basically speaking to her character and saying like, I see you and I know you would do everything in your power without actually taking it so far as to kill me unless I backed you into a corner. So I thought that was a really nice moment that sets up that there might be some sort of romantic agenda going forward. And the throwaway episode we talked about last week had that 17 year old saying like, I'm coming for this guy in a couple months. So make your move, which of course shouldn't influence this episode, but because it plays in succession with it, it has us thinking like, okay, the tension has been there since the beginning. Maybe they are going to start to move this into the romantic phase. And the very close of this episode is where Astrid does ask Walter about that offhanded comment. And she says, yeah, what did you mean when you said you couldn't let Peter die again? Because this wasn't just you being wacky Walter. This was something else. And he said, some things are better off left alone. And he tries to, to bury it. But the look on both of their faces say like, this isn't over. This isn't going to go away. This is coming to the fore. So I think we are in for that revelation sooner rather than later. They really have pushed it to now we're halfway into the season and it still hasn't come out. But I think we're on the precipice of that. And I really enjoyed this episode for the fact that it was, you know, the thing in an office building. And as much as I saw the parallels to the thing, I know there were some other parallels to something that you love and that you would recognize right away. Marcelo, what kind of X-Files vibes was this episode giving you? This episode really had the vibes of the X-Files season one episode called The Ice, where Agent Mulder and Agent Scully go to this research station to investigate the disappearance of a bunch of oil drillers. They find this sort of worm, sort of black oil kind of thing that once it infects them, they lose all control and they have the urge to kill each other. So I thought that this episode was very reminiscent of that, especially when Walter first starts to analyze this contagion and he figures out that this contagion was underneath the earth for X amount of years. So I was like, wait a minute, does this mean that the Fringe writers are connecting the X-Files with Fringe? Because in my mind, Fringe has always been the X-Files for the new generation. I think the loving homages to the X-Files in this episode and in various others that we've talked about are just great. Yeah, I definitely think that the X-Files homages are definitely there. Although 
we definitely haven't ever gotten a scene of Fox Mulder taking over a science center tour and scaring the living daylights out of a group of children like Walter, Walter does hilariously in the opening segment of this episode. So definitely, I think that you are right. The, the writers are tipping their cap to the show, and that's always fun to see. The one thing that I don't like about this episode is that we don't really figure out why this company wants this contagion from a rival company. And it really begs the question, do you think that this company was in some way connected to a bigger company that you and I have been talking about for two seasons now? Because I really think that this company would be a really, really prime candidate to be a sub-company of Massive Dynamic. You never know, because as we have seen, Massive Dynamic has been involved in a lot of stuff under various names and shell corporations and that kind of thing. So I wouldn't put it past them, but also because we have been moving further and further away from massive dynamic, I wonder if that's just us reaching, hoping that there would be some sort of connection, but ultimately in the way that the episode plays out, it might not even matter, but it's certainly one of those interesting questions that is in the back of our mind as we're watching this thing. All right, guys, and on that note, I think that'll do it for this week's episode of Radio 815. Before we go, if you want to reach out to us, there are several ways in which you can do that. First, you can reach us on Twitter by just simply using the hashtag Radio 815. Also on Twitter, you can follow us on our personal Twitter account. It's JJUniverse815. If you want to talk to me personally on Twitter... I'm at CreekFanatic88. If you want to listen to the show, but you don't necessarily want to subscribe to the podcast feed here, we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Radio815, where we post all our back episodes. Matt, if the good folks want to talk to you about anything, what would be the best place for them to reach you? On Twitter, at Matt Crandall. Until next week, as always, we'll talk back soon. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.